Honey. This is The A. I'm Reg Clay. Normally, Norman G. would be here, but he is celebrating his fifth wedding anniversary with his beautiful wife, Mara. Uh, this is The A, where we celebrate life in the theater and the theater of life. Uh, the A is sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. And we want to always, as always, thank Central Works for sponsoring the Yay. I have a fantastic guest, a woman that I've not seen uh, in a very, very long time, but an amazing singer, uh, Jessica Coker. Is it Moore? Uh, yeah. Moore? I, Moore is my married name. Yeah, <laughs> but I know you as Jessica Coker, but uh, Jessica Coker Moore, uh, you are the, I didn't realize this. I was looking at your um, your Facebook thing, but I think you are the, you have an official title at Ray of Light Theater. Um, let me look. Yeah. Senior, senior Associate Project Manager. No, I'm sorry. That's Hi. your that's your day job. That's my general, day. Man, general Manager at Ray of Light Theater. I am, yeah. Right on. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, you know, as well as can be expected in the middle of a pandemic, but, you know. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. The pandemic and what's been happening in Washington. Um, it's, it's wild. I, we usually ask our guests, I mean, how are you? How have you uh, coped in, you know, in the age of Trump or as the age of Trump is ending, it's ending in a, in a crash and a burn. He's not going out easy. And I'm OK with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, you get that feeling of like, hey, we made it through those four years. Like, we got this. Like, we, we can move forward and uh, and thrive, as as one could say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, did it surprise you, you know, what happened? I guess, you know, the events of uh, January 6th. I mean, I, I knew that there were Trump, you know, lovers out there, but I didn't think it would be as crazy as, you know, um, yeah, I, pe you know, people having to run out of run out of the uh, the, you know, um, congressmen having to run out of their, their you know, the place. I don't, I don't think you can ever like say, oh, I'm not surprised by sedition. You know, I, I, I don't think that's anything there were signs of it, sure, but you never think it's actually going to escalate to that. You think like, yeah, everybody has their opinions and their beliefs and, you know, and, but I, I don't think you ever like expect that to happen. So yeah, it was a little shocking. I, I literally was watching it on TV all day long and I saw like the best tweet come through and it was like, a friend of mine just texted and said, are we supposed to work through the coup? And that's the most American thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, yeah, can I get a day off? <laughs> yeah, capital's burning. Keep working during it too. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you got to laugh to keep from crying. But it sounds <laughs> like um, you you have not been affected by COVID. I mean, have are you and your family safe? Uh, we are. I mean, I've had lots of family. Uh, my brother and his whole family. Um, unfortunately, they they live in LA and they've all had it. Luckily, it didn't um affect them very much. They you know they got sick for a couple days and. They're all okay, but um, I have had my husband's side of the family had a, a family member pass away. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so it, it's a real thing, you know. It just I think the scariest thing about it is you don't know how it's going to affect you. Like it's yeah, you know, you hear that you know, like your your taste goes, and you hear you hear all sorts of things. Um, I, my family has been affected. I'm so glad. You know, my mom is uh, suffering from cancer, although she's recovering. But you know, when your immune systems are down, that's when you're the most. Um, you yeah. can be the most affected by it. So, I'm I'm diabetic, so it's like I I'm really really careful about you know <laughs> how I never leave my home. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Great. it's crazy. And we have you on because Lizzie is about to open up for Ray of Light Theater, um, the uh, wonderful musical about uh, Lizzie Borden. That'll be opening up on Thursday, the 21st. And I was yeah. just checking out the uh, the the website. I mean, the, the cool thing about Ray of Light Theater, I mean, even when I first, I mean, you and I, we know each other because I stage manage you and a bunch of others uh, when we did, uh, do you remember Bat Boy? I remember, it was the very first show I did back in the Bay Area and with Ray of Light. It's how yeah. I got Produced a ray of light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, and it was just a magical time. And Ray of Light has just been churning out amazing musicals, and you know, just on the edge. I mean, I I can just go through all of the, the the fascinating um, musicals and stuff. And I remember, uh, you know, as a state, because usually, you know, when I and I, I really don't stage manage anymore. I'm, I've done more acting, and I've done more writing and other things. And of course, I'm doing the podcast. But I remember it was like a rock show. It was like sort of stage managing the Who or uh, <laughs> yeah. the Beatles or whatever. I mean, people wanted to sit on the floor. Um, you know, that's that's sort of the the rock star image or you know that they we we had with um with Ray of Light, and it's and it's still going on. So I want to definitely talk to you about that, about you know just the success of Ray of Light. I've been dying to get R Shane Ray on. I know he's retired, <laughs> and uh, he's relaxing with his husband and his family. Huh? No, he, he and Alex Rodriguez are now uh, the co-artistic directors again of Ray of Light. Just this last, about a year ago, uh, Jason Hoover kind of relinquished reins and um, decided that, you know, he needed to move on to, you know, do other projects. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had a come to Jesus moment where we all got together and and Shane and Alex just felt really, really um, inspired and they wanted to take on the reins again. So they're actually co-artistic directing right now. And Sarah Altier is our managing director, and then I've taken over as general manager. So it's like we're we're going through a lot of change. Unfortunately, we haven't really been able to do much because this all happened right, you know, right before the pandemic. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It's great to have Shane back in the house. And you know, if yeah. you when you get to talk to Shane, ask him to come on because I'd love to have him on, and uh, he would really, I think people would really love to hear, you know, like his story and how he, you know, really Ray of Light is named after Shane Ray. So you know, yeah, Ray of Light is about uh, about Shane Ray. Um, I would love to get into an origin story. How, how I mean, I just want to, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but. I have always been fascinated by your, I mean, you are a belter. I mean, you are an amazing singer. I mean, you're like Joan Baez. I mean, not Joan Baez, but you, you know, you're, you, I mean, you, you know, you can sing Tina Turner. You can, you know, it's very rare to have like, you know, a real, real belter as a singer, because, you know, a lot of people go to formal singing school and they learn, you know, um, you know, the format, the formal way of doing things. And we don't get a lot of, uh, you know, someone who can really, the diva, it's like the diva type. <laughs> Well, so I've always been impressed. I've never probably ever said it, but I've always been impressed by your singing ability. But let's get into an origin story. Uh, where were you born and raised and how did theater, how did, how did the theater bug bite you? Yeah, uh, well, I was actually born in Hayward, California. Native. Um, yeah, native California. Uh, I still live in Hayward. Well, I moved away for a while, but um, came back. Uh, I, you know, I think like a lot of people, my dad was a music minister in church. So I grew up singing in church. And that's kind of where my like real love of singing came from. Um, but I was really, really lucky uh, that I went to a junior high and a high school that had really, really robust choral programs. And uh, I still to this day remember those teachers so vividly. I had Victoria Schmidt in, high, in junior high. And then when I went to Mount Eden High School, it was Ken Rowden. And uh, that man, like 
the choir was his life and he introduced us to acapella music, chamber music, women's choirs, show choirs, concert choirs. Like I sang in every choir you can, you know, name. Um, and then he decided my fresh scene, uh, sophomore year that he wanted to start doing musicals. And so, you know, of course, probably like a lot of other high schoolers around the country, Greece was my first musical. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everybody has done Greece at some point. Um, and I, you know, I had a love for singing, but uh, definitely jumping into theater was very eye-opening. And I think from then on, I was kind of hooked. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. Did you, ever, did you ever get into a recording studio? I mean, I don't know if you ever uh, had aspirations of doing like, you know, just straight up music. Like, I don't know, put out a record. Um, I've done actually a bunch of like backup vocal stuff in the studio and I really liked it, but it's, there's nothing compared to live theater. I, it's just, you know, that immediate reaction that like visceral feeling of having someone there and you have the power to like put them in this story and take them on that journey with you. That recording just doesn't have for me. Recording is very technical, you know. I remember the first time I did a, a recording gig, they, I sang a line and they're great. They're like, great, we're going to do that 17 more times. And you're like, okay. And then they start, you know, stacking these vocals. And I actually had someone tell me, um, hey, could you, we're, we're going to like untune you a bit. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, because normally when people stack their vocals, they sound different when they do it but you sound exactly the same every time you record it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in theater. It's, it's kind of like what you're taught to do. Like you learn it one way and you do it that way every night because that's, you know, that's what you learn to do. And so I thought that was really funny. Like we need to yeah. unfold you. <laughs> and I'll think, I'll think vocally that's exactly what you want is that yeah. as opposed to, you know, usually the auto tune is used to get you in tune, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah. So, um, did you ever, did you ever take any form? Did you ever go to college, uh, formal training? I did. I went to, uh, I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York. Um, right on. And I, I did my time there and then I went to the new school university. Um, I had vocal training, but it's funny. All the vocal training that I got was from this like soprano opera lady. And while she was wonderful and taught me some great techniques uh she never really taught me how to like healthily belt you know and so that was just kind of something I learned to do on my own I know that sounds terrible uh, no 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 no. I mean uh, you hear stories of Janis Joplin you know sort of just doing you know whatever she wanted to do and of course she's you know a legendary superstar it also reminds me <clears throat> you know my we both you know come from I guess a church background where mm -hmm. I also learned from church and my dad's a singer he sings even now and you get the different types of training you get the the formal training you know like the diaphragm and making you know the resonators and and the formal training, but then there's a type of training you just get from, I don't know, I wouldn't say the streets, but just sort of uh, putting it out there. Like, you know, my dad had a vocal group and so we would harmonize sort of like, you know, like the doo-wop groups. And, yeah. and so there are all sorts of different types of training and we're noticing theater. I, I had another guest on prior um, 
uh, uh, musical director, and we talked about the the uh, the evolution of musicals. You know, first you had Stephen Sondheim, and you had you know sort of the classics, but then you had um, like Grease, I mean, not uh, Hair, and um, I, I'm trying to remember the uh, who's the, who's the uh, the writer of um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Basically, music, musicals changed. You know, musicals became more, I guess, more street or more to the home, like In the Heights. You know, that's a perfect Lin-Manuel Miranda and um, Hamilton, yeah. where it moves away from the formalities and into, you know, it, it incorporates hip hop, it incorporates gospel, incorporates, you know, incorporates all sorts of things. So I think, you know, the the formal training, but also just the natural gift that you have, it fits right in with today's theater, don't you think? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I sorry about that. It's okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber, that's what I was thinking about. Go ahead. I, I had a I had a good friend of mine who uh, did music theater and he was also, he's also an R&B singer. And um, he always says, you know, people can sing, but not everyone can sing. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, and I, I definitely think, no, I did. I don't have as much training as a lot of people do, but you know, there's people who learn the notes and then there's people who are musical. Yes. And I just like, when I sing a song, it's, it's musical to me. Like I, I'm telling a story through that song. So it's not just about the notes for me. It's about, you know, the words that I'm singing. And that really just gets um, emoted through what I'm, through what I'm singing. So I kind of think sometimes I'm blessed that I'm not as formally trained because I have no problem letting go of technique if I need to. Like if the moment calls for it, I don't need to sound pretty. Yeah, you know? yeah. There, there are moments like that where, you know, like I said the word visceral earlier, like people, people respond to what they know. You know, and when you're grieving or when you're celebrating or when you're angry, you know, you're not going to sound pretty. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I so the Douglas Morrison Theater, they did a musical Candide back in 2015. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, no, 2014. And I was involved in that. And it was really fascinating because we had a mixture of classically trained operatic singers but then they also casted a bunch of just us actors who knew how to sing. We didn't have the formal training. Matter of fact, I read music very, very slowly. I can read it, but you know, I can't like fast, fast read it. Um, I'd have to take it home and really digest it or whatever. But basically I, I listen by ear and I just sing by ear. And it was interesting, you know, the director, Michael Muhammad, he tried to get the classically uh, trained operatic singers to sing in a different style for some of the songs and also just to act. And they had a real problem because uh, it's just not, yeah. you know, they don't know the, the language for, for any of that. Whereas us actors, we were like, you know, boom, we can go right into it. Of course we had trouble hitting those high notes. <laughs> but um, I think, uh, have you, well, let me ask you this. I mean, have you had, um, because getting into acting, I mean, have you had any training as far as acting is concerned? Like, do you know things like beats and objectives yeah, and yeah. that sort of stuff? 
I mean, when I, when I was in New York and, and I was going to school, I mean, it was everything we, we did learn those very tech, you know, those technicalities of like, here's a song, we're going to break it down by beats. We're going to, you know, tell our own story um, on top of what this story is telling us. So, you know, it makes it more personal to you. We took voice production and speech classes. We took every kind of dance class imaginable. We took acting classes. Um, straight vocal courses, um, movement classes. So yeah, we did all of that training. And um, it, it's kind of the same as, you know, singing, like you do need those fundamentals and you need to know how to apply them. But there's also just something that's intuitive about it that makes sense to you and that clicks. And, you know, some people can do it and some people can't. And that's, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't yeah. draw a straight line with a ruler. So, you know, I'm an artist in other ways. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of, you know, Norman and I, we've talked and I think schooling, because we've had a debate about schooling, whether you need schooling or not. I think that schooling helps if there are habits that you need to break. Oh, you yeah. know, it sort of strips you if there's something holding you back. And, you know, there's some folks who, you know, they may have quirks that, you know, they, that hold, hold, hinder them back. But I think for those who are just naturally gifted, for those who have a natural, you know, gift for either acting or, or music, you don't necessarily need it, especially if you're a cast in something that's just perfect for you. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask about your experience in New York. I mean, uh, growing up in Hayward, I mean, how was the New York experience for you? Well, you know, I, I moved out there when I was 18. Wow. I spent eight years there um, and I, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of acting. It, it's interesting. I was out there in like, you know, the 97 um, to 2005, I think it was, or 2004. And I spent a lot of time auditioning and, you know, I was just kind of there at the wrong time, you know, like there wasn't roles for girls like me. Mm -hmm. um, I had, a, I had a teacher in school that was like, you're going to get so much work when you're 40. Um, oh, <laughs> so, God. That's how's, how's that a backhanded compliment? Jeez. Right. And, and in a way, like, he was 100% right. Like, these meatier, juicier roles that, you know, come as you're an aging actor, which, you know, I am in my 40s now. So I, I am seeing those roles come through that are like, yeah, give me a piece of that. Um, but they're just, you know, it kind of wears you down. And unless you have, unless you have such like great support to do that, it's, it's really hard to make a living as an actor in New York. And, uh, I accidentally fell into the business side of theater. So I was actually, I spent four years um, working on two Broadway shows and a national tour on the business side. Wow, that's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I worked in company management for Year in Town and 42nd Street on Broadway. And then I worked uh, as an assistant company manager on the first national tour of Oklahoma. So I ended up on the business side of it without looking for it or without, you know, trying to go there. But um, I also found a love of that too. So um, when I moved back to the Bay Area, I found like, oh, you can do both when you come back here. Like you can actually have a career and a job and also do theater. And it doesn't have to be your only career that you have to devote every hour, <laughs> minute and day to. And I found a really like healthy balance in that. 
which is why I ended up staying in the Bay. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, a lot of actors, of course, every actor wants to, you know, either go to New York or just hit it big the minute you get out of school, hit the big stage and boom. But of course, you have to have, you know, something else. That's why I got into tech, because I didn't want to, you know, be like the stage manager, lightboard operator. I wanted to find a way to get involved in theater Mm -hmm. while I, you know, still audition as an actor. And, you know, um, being involved, being flexible enough to do other things. Number one, it helps you get fed. And yeah. two, it still helps you get connected to the theater while you get those roles. I was going to ask you, you were in New York during September 11th. What, what was that about? Yeah. How was that like? Yeah, that was crazy. I was, uh, I was working, I was the assistant company manager on 42nd Street when it happened. Um, so I was actually in our office on 43rd Street. I don't remember where. It's with Dodger Theatricals. Um, and I remember we were on like the 20th floor of the building and... Um, we had to, you know, like walk down those stairs and I, it was just mass chaos. You know, I, I lived in Queens at the time. So uh, getting home was interesting. I remember meeting up with my boyfriend at the time um, and walking across the Queensboro bridge and his family coming to pick us up from there. And just what a, a weird, thing you don't know what's going on you know we didn't have well we had cell phones but we weren't like it wasn't the age of twitter you know there wasn't this 24-hour news stream that you could have on your phone Um, yeah it wasn't until we actually got back to his house uh that we saw everything that was going on Uh, his father at the time worked as a as a fire safety marshal for rockefeller center so we were getting some information from him um but really that was the first experience i've had that we were glued to the television like it it reminded me of those like old pictures of like wartime kids and families sitting around the radio (laughs) yeah yeah no listening to fireside chats yeah yeah Yeah. and you're like why why would they do that and then all of a sudden you're like yeah that's exactly what you do because you want every kind of information you can possibly get um yeah it was a trip i mean I was also there for, we had a, like a year later or two years later, we had a blackout. Oh, okay. Um, so that was, we were like, what's happening now? Like what's going on? And it, it ended up just being a blackout, but it was still a crazy thing to happen in the middle of New York city. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I went to, I, <clears throat> I was in Tisch School of the Arts, you know, from 87 to 91. So the New York that I know is completely different. I mean, post 9-11 oh, yeah. New York, as I'm, I'm sure, you know, all 42nd Street and all that stuff, I'm sure is cleaned up and Disney-fied and all that stuff. So um, I'm sure you miss New York. Do you miss New York? Do you want to go back? I do. I love New York. Um, I go there at least once a year to visit and see shows. And I have a lot of friends there. Um, I don't think I'd ever want to live there again. <laughs> I mean, I... It's funny. I have a lot of friends there and a lot of them I, I go and I see and I'm like, oh, you're still doing the same exact thing you were doing when I lived here 20 years ago. Got it. Um, so there's, there's definitely a part of me that's like, I love it. I have this like love affair with New York City, but I, I don't think I'd ever want to live there again. I think I had my I had my adventure. I spent eight years there and I had a great time. And I think everyone should move away from home at some point in their life and be away from family and, and make new friends and, you know, cultivate what your life is going to be. Um, 
Yeah, and you've and you found a career. You mean you know you uh, got involved, and then you you came back. Now was it your? I mean, what brought you back to the Bay? Just coming home. Uh, I had just I had finished a tour. I had finished the tour of Oklahoma. Um, all of my belongings were in storage, so, and I didn't have a place to live, and so I, I hadn't seen my family in a couple of years. So I decided I was just going to come home and visit. And um, while I was here, um, my good friend James Eigelhart, yeah. Was, was directing a show at Ray of Light Theater. And uh, it happened to be Batboy and he lost one of his actors. They had they dropped. And he was like, hey, I don't, I know you're here right now and like you're unemployed. <laughs> you wanna like do a show? I need someone. And I was like, sure. So that was actually how I started to do stuff in theater. And, uh, and then shortly after I met my husband and, you know, he and I have been together for 16 years now. Yeah, I think yeah, so. No, years. wow, time flies. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you a, a quick, yeah. uh, we're breaking up a little bit, um, a quick James Eigelhart story. So when I first came in, I got an email from a friend of mine saying, hey, they need a stage manager for uh, this thing called Bat Boy. And I was like, Bat Boy. And I typed in, and of course, it was this, you know, it's based on, it's a musical, it's a wonderful musical based on this uh, crazy um National Enquirer or whatever it is, Sun Story about mm-hmm. half boy, half half bat. And so I go in and I see Eli Newsom. And I just talked to Eli Newsom recently. Uh, he's in Connecticut with his wife, Christy. Yeah. Um, but in any case, I saw Eli and I saw James Iglehart, not knowing who these people were. And I know the director from the email is James Iglehart. So I extend my hand to Eli saying, Mr. Iglehart, my name is Reg Clay. And <laughs> Eli was like, no, no, no. That's Mr. Iglehart. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. So that was my first introduction to James Iglehart, who is, of course, a Tony Award winner now. So a funny story is mm-hmm. I had actually worked with Eli and James years ago. We did Jesus Christ Superstar together at Cal State Hayward when I was 16 years old. Because James and I went to high school together. Wow. And I was 16 years old, and they were doing – James was uh, – going to Cal State at the time. And he said, hey, we're doing Jesus Christ Superstar over the summer, you should audition. And I did, and I got into the show and Eli was playing King Herod and James was playing Jesus. And so that's how I met Eli. So then it was kind of like full circle that I got to come back around and they were the only two people I knew you know, in the show. So it's funny that those are the two names you mentioned. Wow. Small world, <laughs> small, small world. And uh, yeah, and uh, Ray of Light. But you've done a bunch of things. I mean, that may have been the first one, but you've done a bunch of other things with Ray of Light as well, haven't I you? Done, I see. I did Bat Boy. Uh, I did Songs for a New World. Um, I did their first Rocky Horror, which was like 2000 something. I don't remember the year. Um, before they started doing it, annually um i did what else did, did they do hedwig they they did do hedwig i was the production manager of that okay. one um, i did little shop with them i did lizzie um and i did jerry springer the opera <laughs> that no that's a funny one yeah one i know my- they did triassic park or something like that they did um i i didn't really get involved with them on the business side until um a couple of years ago Okay. Now, have you worked with other theater companies outside of uh, Ray of Light? Yeah, I've I've done stuff with Broadway by the Bay, 42nd Street Moon. Um, 
at one point, OMG, I love that show, was mm. operating out of Walnut Creek. I did some stuff with them. I've done quite a few stuff with uh, Berkeley Playhouse. Um, yeah. So kind of all over the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've totally been around. We could talk a little bit about the show, Lizzie. I mean, um, so is it is it a new musical? Because I've, I've, obviously I know the story, but I didn't know the um, the musical. I mean, has it been around? So it. Oh gosh, we were, I think the second, the second group to do it as a full show. It had spent some time, I think it NAMPed, um, being at showcased and, you know, worked through. They'd done it in Oregon, I believe. And then we were the second company to do it. Um, so it, it was brand spanking new when we did it in 2015. Like, uh, I was actually just on a Zoom call with the cast last night. We decided to have a catch up that ended up lasting like three hours. But we were talking about like what a different experience was to work on a show that we had no frame of reference for. You know, there wasn't like they, they, they had done an album of it. And so we had heard the music. But as far as staging it and these characters, like no one had seen it. No one knew it. We kind of went into it very blindly and got to create this amazing, amazing piece um, that kind of changed all of our lives. Like I am good friends to these girls to this day. Like we just shared such uh, an incredible experience during that show. Uh, it's kind of like no other show I've ever done, but it's a rock musical. It's four chicks on stage with a like, legit rock band and uh, Joe D'Amelio did the lights for it and it is a rock concert he had this we had this giant truss that was over the stage the circular truss mm. and we had these backlights it, it looked like you were at a rock and roll concert it was amazing but. yeah no I imagine so now how, how how have you guys been able to I guess do this production and I guess just function in COVID-19 because so many other theaters have been just decimated, you know, just, you know, money-wise, they can't make any income and some of them have just stopped, you know, their seasons, but Ray of Light is still going on. With Lizzie, well, how, how's it been doing it with COVID-19? So this is actually, um, we're streaming um, the show that we did in 2015. Got so it, I see. Yeah, so what people will actually see is the fully staged version of what we did in 2015. Um, and the cast is Liz Curtis, um, Melissa Reinertsen, and mm -hmm. Taylor Iman Jones, which, you know, I'm sure everyone yeah. knows. I've, act <laughs> I've, I've acted with two of them. I've acted with um, Elizabeth Curtis. We did uh, Civil War Christmas. She's wonderful. And we also worked with um, uh, Play Cafe, Musical Cafe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Melissa Reinertsen, we did 110 in the Shade. She was my love interest. Oh, Small love world. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like worlds collided and the four of us got to be on stage together. Um, but what's cool about it is James Eigelhart is actually hosting the night. So he's going to like start off the, the stream. Uh, we're going to do the first act and then the cast is going to come on with the writers who are joining us. And we're gonna have a Q and A session during intermission. Uh, Taylor's gonna sing a song from the show. And then uh, we'll show the second act. And then our creative staff will come on. And that's uh, Eliza Leone, who's our director, Dave Mushler, who, you know, has said- Right on, right on, Dave Mushler. Yeah, we've had him on the A2. He was our music director and um, uh, 
oh gosh, I just completely blanked on her name and I don't, Nicole Helfer, woo! Nicole Helfer, who was our choreographer. Uh, so they're gonna come on after the show again with the writers and do a little bit more of a Q and A session. Uh, and then the cast, we actually did a recording of one of the songs from the show that we'll play at the end of the night. And so it's it's kind of a, an immersive thing and that you'll get to hear from the cast and the creatives and the actual writers will be there. Um, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be the future of theater. You know, it's, it's something that I've talked with a couple of other folks that, you know, it's, it's sad to do a, like an amazing event, like a musical event. And then, you know, we break the stage down, it's struck and then it's over and you can yeah. tell someone about it. And maybe someone maybe filmed it, maybe like one little camera in the back or whatever. But wouldn't it be wonderful if, especially in the age of YouTube, you can have both a great theatrical event where people can actually go to the actual stage and watch it, but also it could be streamed. I mean, you know, Hamilton, we just, you know, with in COVID-19 in 2020, we got to see uh, Hamilton, you know, for a lot of folks who weren't able to see it, you know, on the stage. And I'm hoping that that's the, that's where theater will go in the future, where not only can you see it, but you can also, it can be viewed, it can be streamed. And, it, you know, it's a different experience. Do you think that that will be, could that be the future, do you think? You know, I, there's part of me that like hopes so. I mean, we might not have a choice at this point. You know, we don't, I, I know that the vaccination is here and, you know, things are gonna happen, but you know, there's already different variants of this thing. And like, I think it's just changed people's mindsets of um, what we can do remotely and what we can't. Um, but also just, there's something really cool about exposing people to the arts that wouldn't normally be exposed to it. Like even family and friends of mine, I've done quite a few things uh, during this time. Like I did a Christmas album. I did, um, I've done a couple cabarets. A friend of mine, we actually like wrote a show and produced it. Um, and I had family members that got to see me perform for the very first time because wow. they live out of state and they've, you know, they've never been, in California to come see me in a show. So like that, the thought of that, like reaching such a large audience and having like tentacles in places that wouldn't normally come to San Francisco and see our little production of Lizzie, you know? Like now people all over the world are gonna be able to see it. And that's really freaking cool. No, it's mad fantastic. And I think any actor or singer would love that. You know, it's great exposure. And especially for a younger audience. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much you interact with uh, the millennials, you know, younger folks. <laughs> but a lot of folks are, you know, they're into their YouTube or, you know, whatever's on, you know, their little the iPhones or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. TikTok. So I would think that this would be a way to bring theater to an audience that would, would not ordinarily uh, go to a yeah. theater. So who, who knows? Well, maybe that'll be the future. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, I miss having a live audience for sure. I mean, nothing nothing compares to being able to sing and perform for live humans that are, you know, tangible and in front of you. But yeah. Um, now, is your husband, is he, uh, is he in, uh, involved in theater at all? No, not at all. And it's beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, it, he's a journeyman, or he's a foreman that works for a construction company. He does fire suppression and has absolutely nothing to do with theater. Okay, I was gonna ask for a love story how the two of you may have met. Uh, in the coming, uh, in the month of February, the AR, we're having a, a sort of a love fest where we are bringing on couples who have met through theater. 
so I was going to bring you on, but uh, I <laughs> guess, yeah, I guess he, he, you know, the, the theater bug didn't bite him, but he appreciates your work. I'm sure. It old school, a friend of ours introduced us, you know, that, and you know, we started dating right so. on. I have friends like dating through the internet and I, I'm always like amazed. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I would be so lost if I had to try and date now. Like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just an old married lady and I'm okay with it. No, 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 no. I think, I mean, you know, you, you say, you, you know, you, I think you still look, you know, not a day over, I don't know, 25 or whatever, I'll but you know, it's, it. but hey, sure. But, um, and, and essentially you mentioned, you know, age because we've had a couple of guests on, who they've talked about, you know, when they first got into acting theater, there was a young ingenue and, you know, they got a lot of roles and a lot of, uh, you know, their careers was just picking up. And then they start aging into another aspect of their careers and they have a very hard time. I mean, have you, how have you dealt just as a woman? And I think it's important to, for, especially a guy like me, because I don't know. Um, yeah. How, I mean, how is it? I mean, how it sounds like Ray of Light has treated you very well, but are you frustrated um, being an older uh, older woman who's in, involved in theater? I'm frustrated at all, actually. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a character actress. I'm a belter. I was never the ingenue. Um, so I was never cast in those, those young, flighty roles, so to speak. If anything, I was always cast older when I was younger. Um, there is some part of me that's a little like, wow, wait, I'm, I'm in my 40s now? What? <laughs> you know, I, I don't feel 40. I don't know what 40 is supposed to be. I just remember growing up and thinking, oh, 40 is so old. Um, and I'm 42. I don't like, I'm not shy about it. Um, if anything, I think the roles have gotten meatier and... Um, cooler i you know i've gotten to play like pet penelope pennywise and you're in town and oh, wow. i got to play ursula and the little mermaid um I, i've gotten to play some like really really cool roles as an older woman um and i think there's more to come like i'm not i'm not anxious yet like I, I could still rock a 30 year old, right? Absolutely. You <laughs> most certainly can. Yeah. You know, we've had a lot of uh, talk on, on the A about um, women, you know, there's so uh, there, there's an individual who had a, um, I guess he wrote an open letter uh, to just the theater community to get more inclusivity and to yeah. have uh, more, uh, I guess, writers and producers and directors, you know, those who cast to, and it's something that Ray of Light has always done. You know, Ray of Light have never needed to have a forum. Well, you know, we need to, you know, it's, it's getting a little too white here. You know, we need to have a more multicultural. Ray yeah. of Light was doing that from the very, very beginning. I mean, James Iglehart, you know, a black actor uh, was directing um, yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, um, Black Bat Boy, even back in 2000, I think it was 2005. Yeah. Um, have you seen a lot of change in theater as far as more exclusivity? Has there been any conversations about that? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, go ahead. Our staff, I mean, we've had many conversations about it. Uh, I think we're all very cognizant of when we're in a room and we're casting a show. I mean, we are in the Bay Area. Like, you couldn't have better representation of people of color and genders. And um, I, I just feel like we're so lucky and in a position where 
there's so much talent to pick from. Like, why wouldn't you want to um, spotlight that? Like, I'm always amazed when, you know, I run across these companies that have like, you know, an all white cast. I'm like, really? That's all you could come up with? Because there's so much talent in the Bay Area. And so uh, it's so diverse and you have so many, um, so many opportunities to showcase that. So uh, for me, I guess I was just, uh, I was always amazed that people weren't doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was an important letter to write. Um, I've had lots of conversations with fellow actors, um, but also with fellow theater makers, you know, that work on the business side of it. And it, it is something that um, you really do need to be cognizant about. And you really do need to um, sit in the room and sit with yourself and sit with the show and, uh, and make those decisions that reflect your community. Yeah. You know, like this is our community. Right. And, you know, if, if the theater reflects the community, then, you know, you, you have a greater audience base. I mean, there are, there are places like, let's say in Hayward, where, you know, the, I guess the, the community, they want their type of, of theater. And unfortunately they try to grab actors and, and creatives who don't represent that like you know there have been times where i get a phone call hey you know we need a black actor for you know we're doing a thing in i don't know in Con- contra costa county or something like that yeah and i'm like okay well that's great but <laughs> you know am i I'm entertaining a white audience or whatever so it's it gets a little weird but like i said ray of light has never had a problem with that you guys have been in front of that from the very very beginning um have you had to deal with being a um a female uh actor with because we've had conversations with sexual harassment like we had a guest on uh, maya herbsman and she is a um an intimacy coordinator and she deals with theater companies that will have scenes where you know let's say there's kissing or there's touching or whatever and there's been a dialogue where of just people feeling comfortable doing scenes and things like that. Have you had any, let's say, bad experiences, you know, whether it be New York or here in the Bay Area as a woman? Um, uh, not, not in that sense, no. Um, and this is funny, I had a really, uh, I was just talking about, about this last night with a group of girls and I, I am a woman of, I call a woman of size. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a small woman. I'm not a, a large woman, but I, I'm, um, I am not your typical ingenue. Um, and when you are a, a plus size woman in theater, uh, you aren't cast in those roles. And it's, it's really interesting to me because I have never played a character who was loved. Mm, or who that's was, interesting. Yeah. Or who was, um, sought after I've never been the um the representation of beauty of desire and I find that really interesting because it's again it's not representing the community around you you know like yeah yeah uh, my husband is gorgeous. I love my husband. And I, you know, I like, I look at him and I'm like, well, he's attracted to me. I I've dated, you know, men who were very good looking. They found me attractive. So what is it about when you get into theater that all of a sudden everyone has these buckets of beauty and, you know, and I think that it, it 
it crosses all the lines, even with color, like what people see as, as beauty and like, oh, this is a, a white blonde female, with blue, you know, like it's so ingrained in people that like what represents beauty and what doesn't. And you see now that those barriers are being broken, but you know, here we are in 2021 and I've yet to play a character who was desired. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. And a lot of times, and, you know, we've talked about how, you know, there are choices made by actors, but there are choices made by theater directors and and um, producers yeah. who bring in these stories. It's like, oh, we need to do this. And it's it's almost a Disneyification of, 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 of beauty or whatever. It's like everyone has to look this way or that. When you would think that theater would be the place to break those boundaries, to break those stereotypes. Like I, uh, I remember doing a Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. We did that at the uh, Town Hall Theater and Don Monique Williams, who directed it, made it very clear that this was a story about middle-aged women, middle-aged women who, you know, one was a plus size, a woman named uh, Anita Veramontes, who was cast a great singer, um, plus size woman. And she talked about feeling invisible, you know, because I guess in the storyline, her husband runs off with this other woman who's also middle-aged. But basically, these were tales by middle-aged women. And it was a direct choice made by Don Williams and also by Susan Evans, who's the artistic director, oh, she was at the time, of Town Hall Theater. But these are choices that are made where yeah. someone's like, we're not going to tell the same old story. We're going to make a change. And you're right, more of that is needed because, hey, you know, everyone needs love and, you know, everyone, you know, yeah, it's, and I, you know, and it's something that I've experienced, even not just in like being cast uh, in a show, but uh, with costume designers, like, it's amazing. You'll go, uh, you'll, I'll go into a costume fitting or I'll put on a costume for the first time. And, and like some costume designers knock it out of the park and you're like, yeah, you know what you're doing. But sometimes as a plus size woman, you get in there and you almost feel shameful because these clothes are ill-fitting. It's like, I don't know what to do with you. You're a larger woman. And I'm like, well, that's funny. I have, I have a closet full of clothes that fit me very nicely. Yeah. Um, it's funny so you mentioned it's funny you mentioned that because a good friend of mine we were in the same show and she broke down in tears you know she i guess she can confide in me because of exactly that because the costume design and of course the costume designer was a very thin woman yeah. and and i mean we're cast you know uh, what do you want me to do you know the, the director casted me and you should have known and you know weren't you part of the the wasn't there a meeting to talk about how you're going to close people so you're absolutely right yeah and, and you know and it's funny because there are, you know, like Hairspray came out and like, oh, well, that's a bigger girl that's being loved. But the story is about a girl who's big and fat. And like, so you're saying like, oh, even though she's fat, she can still find love. And like, really? Like that's, as, that, that's the best you could come up with? Um, it's kind of one of the things I loved about Head Over Heels you know, when they had Bonnie Milligan that was playing, you know, the, the princess mm -hmm. and she sings that song like beautiful. And I just love that they broke all of those barriers. And she was like, yeah, I'm a bigger, I'm a bigger woman and I'm hot and I can sing my face off. And, you know, now that roles like that are coming out, it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. More and more roles uh, like those are needed. Very yeah. much so. How is the how is Ray of Lights? And now that you are the um, 
uh, what is he, the program director? I'm trying to. I'm general manager. The general manager. How is the business of Ray of Light? I mean, are you guys making a profit? I mean, are things looking good or are you struggling? Ray of Light seems to be doing well, but that's what, you know, what I see from yeah. the outside. I think we we are in uh, we're lucky to be in a position where we don't have a lot we, we don't have a lot of overhead we don't have a, a theater we don't have an office we don't have um, full time paid staff members uh, we are bare bones community theater our staff is completely volunteer yeah um, aren't you guys still at the Victorian you're not at the Victorian anymore um, we are not at the Victoria anymore I mean we're not anywhere at the moment but um, we do have. Uh, we have been working with Z Space um, to do some stuff there. Um, we'd also been talking um, to some other theaters, doing shows there. But we don't really we don't have a home, so we don't have a lot of overhead that we necessarily need to worry about. Um, and making sure those monthly bills get paid and those, you know, we're not paying anyone's. Um, we're not, we don't have payroll, so we've been lucky in that sense. Uh, and we weren't in the middle of a show when all of this happened. We were actually in the middle of changing over our um, our management, so I feel like um, we are definitely probably in a better position than a lot of the the theater companies who do have this large overhead and that are worrying about keeping their spaces and their staff and their programs. Um, so I guess that's the one benefit of being a bare bones theater yeah and i would think that you guys have a, a dedicated audience i mean you guys have been doing you know have had seasons i don't think you guys have missed a season at all and you know all of the shows have been sort of you know just i mean almost sold out i mean you know i i hear and i see you know sometimes the advertisements on on newspaper i mean not newspapers but on the bar trains you know there's ray of lights doing a you know a show a musical and i think i mean wouldn't wouldn't you agree i mean doesn't ray of light have a dedicated audience for sure, we have a we have a great subscriber base, um, and you know you have to remember like we just celebrated our twentieth anniversary, so this is not a new theater company. You know, it's had a growing base, um, and I think once they really branded themselves with the um, blood, sweat musicals, like we really put ourselves into this position of being. Uh, the niche company that we are. We made it very clear, like, these are the kind of projects we want to do. We want to break boundaries. We want to do an all-female Jesus Christ superstar, you know? We want to we do those Jerry Springer, the operas, and um, there's just something appealing and, and different that we've found our niche for. And I think, especially the staff we have right now, they're just so good at marketing that and and keeping the subscriber base and keeping people um, interested in like, what are they going to do next? Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. No, it's, it's fantastic. I was thinking about Leanne Borghese. Are you still working with her um, and Soyla, Soyla Hughes? Um, we haven't done, uh, we haven't done a boobs show in, that was the cabaret group we did. With yeah, boobs. I remember that. Um, it was busty over the top, busty, outrageous, over the top broad singing. Um, no, we haven't done a show probably in, oh, four years. Um, Leanne moved to New York and spends a lot of her time there. And Soyla had, you know, got married and had two kids and, you know, life just gets crazy and busy. And, uh, and I started doing a lot more theater. Um, so it just got harder and harder to find that time where we could all get together and really um, put shows on together. But man, those two ladies, um, <laughs> I learned so much by working with them. Uh, 
Leanne, especially like. Leanne's an amazing talent. She she has this gift where um, we would be on stage and she would mess up the lyrics of a song and somehow mess those lyrics up and then sing the next phrase to rhyme with what she had messed (laughs) up with. And like her ability to just think on the fly was something that I was always like, teach me your ways. Cause um, I do feel like everybody you work with, you learn something from. And to me, that was like one of the biggest things with her. And I was just like, how do you, how do you do it? How do you just pick up where you are and fix it? And I've met very few people who can do it. Um, Sean Ryan, who's a, a cabaret artist that I work with in LA, he has that ability. He can just like talk his way around and end up right back in the song. And you're like, how do you do it? Um, and then Soyla, who is just this like comedic um, genius, in my opinion. The three of us together were so different and we had such different tastes that somehow it just worked. Like we were like, hey, let's let's do a, a Fergie medley. Like, why not? <laughs> let's, yeah. do, let's do a Lady Gaga song. Sure. Yeah, no, you guys have kept the, you know, the uh was the boob the boob um cabaret. You guys have kept <laughs> that going on for a long time. And yeah, yeah, Leanne, Leanne was just an amazing, and I think she was an amazing actress as well, yeah. an actress and singer. I hope I hope she's still doing it in New York. I mean, I hope she's still I'll have to, yeah, she, you know, find out what's going on with her. She's still doing a ton of cabaret stuff in New York. Um, she does stuff out here too. She's she spends time back and forth. <clears throat> her wife still lives out here in um in Brisbane, I think. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'd love to get her on the A. Um, where do you see yourself in the future? I mean, are you satisfied? Are you restless? Um, are you getting as much as you want out of uh, Bay Area theater? I mean, Ray of Light has treated you very well. But wow. uh, where, do you, where do you see yourself, I don't know, five, ten years from now? Um, well, you know, I, I love performing. <laughs> I hope I'm always performing in some way or another, whether it's cabaret or, or doing, you know, full shows. Uh, it does get harder the older you get. <laughs> you definitely feel it a little more. You know, the I, I do have a full-time job. So um, working full-time, working 40 hours a week and then doing a show on top of it used to be real easy when I was 25. Um, and now, you know, the aches and pains of, of you know, 17-hour days catch up with you a lot quicker. Um, but I do, I do hope to keep doing shows, whether it's here or my husband and I have talked about moving to Sacramento and, you know, they have a really robust theater community out there. And I know a lot of folks out there. I was just talking to the Lizzie girls last night and they were all telling me, you need to direct something. And I was like, I don't know. That's terrifying. Oh, you could do that. Totally do that. It sounds terrifying to me. And maybe it's because I am on the business side of it and I know what it takes to direct a show. And I have the utmost respect for directors because it is a lot, a lot of work, a lot of vision and a lot of making things happen. And that scares me a little, but I love working with other actors and, you know, who knows? As long as I'm involved in the arts somehow, I I am a better person for it. Have you have you thought about writing? Maybe songwriting or or uh, playwriting? I tried. My sister is a really gifted songwriter um, and has a beautiful voice. And uh, I tried. It's just I, I don't have the passion for it. And 
I think in order to be good at something, you do have to have that passion for it. Um, and I've just never found that particular um, aspect of it exciting enough. And I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> like, give me a song and I'll sing the crap out of it. But writing a song, I mean, that's, that's another level of talent that, you know, I, I could only wish I had. Yeah. Well, no, when you say you can sing a song, sing the heck out of a song, you are certainly, <laughs> certainly right. Well, we are, we're approaching the one hour mark and I don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, for those who are listening, Lizzie, uh, which <clears throat> is being performed, uh, I guess, at the Ray of Light Theater will be on January the 21st and I'll post the, uh, the link in uh, the description, you know, when I post it on, post the A up so you can uh, check that out. Uh, anything else going on with you? Do you have any other shows or anything that you're going to promote? Uh, anything after the 21st? Um, I'm going to be working with uh, 42nd Street Moon. They have a gala coming up. I'll be doing some work with them. Um, and that's it as of right now. But, you know, okay. the, the yeah, send, year, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, send me the link to the 42nd Street Moon and we'll we'll definitely post it. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Lizzie, and uh, uh, like I said, I'll post that up. Now, I'm so glad the Rave Light Theater is still doing things. I mean, you know, if we're cooped up in your uh, in your apartment or house during COVID-19, you can't go out. There's nothing to do. There's always something you can always click and go online, and you can see some really, really magnificent theater. Yeah. So uh, that'll be great. Jessica, did, uh, did you have a good time? I had a great time. This was a lot of fun. I, yeah. Any chance I can get to like talk about theater and just the love of performing um, is a, precious to me. So, you know, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest. And, um, and I'm so glad the rave light is still churning, churning on. <laughs> All righty. So I will, I'm going to promote a couple of things. So um, not a, also with Lizzie um, theater first, they're having, what they call across the line finishing the 40k marathon they have an auction that'll be going on from the 18th till the 24th and they have a gala on the 24th um the uh, aurora theater is doing the bluest eye that's being directed by don monique williams and she's been a guest on the a that'll be april the 9th through may the 21st um there's a show that i'll be doing dragons dragon's eggs that's uh dragon nest they do a series of one acts by young budding playwrights and i'll be working i'll be doing one of their shows and that'll be tomorrow at 2 p.m and i'll have a link to that and also the very last thing i want to promote and actually it's happening tonight that is the fami awards plethos productions and i've done a bunch of things with plethos they are having a, a season announcement soiree tonight at 7 p.m and if you can make it there's a link that we'll have and uh, we can post that up and you can check that out. And here's my usual blurb. Uh, you're probably listening to this on, watching this on YouTube. If you are, please like and subscribe. Um, let us know what you like or what you don't like about the A. Also, you may be listening to this traditionally on uh, any podcast app and we are on all podcast apps as well as uh, Spotify. And if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find the A. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm at Red Space Clay. Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. Jessica, are you, do you have a uh, social media? Is there a place that people can reach out to you directly? Yeah, I'm on um... I'm on Instagram. It's more Coker, M-O-H-R-C-O-K-E-R. 
Uh, I'm on the Facebook. You can find me under Jessica Coker or Jessica Moore. Uh, and I'm on the Twitter, which is B Way Jesse, B W A Y J E S S I E. Right on. So yeah. if uh, any budding um, playwrights or um, musical writers or uh, even, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Jessica is the perfect person if you're looking for a fantastic singer and a fantastic actress as well. You got to check her out. With that being said, thank you so much, Jessica. And um, as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign off. And we are out. Have a happy uh, three-day weekend, everybody.